0: This is episode 432 of the Prepper Website Podcast, where I connect you with resources that will help you live a more self-reliant life, so you can love your people, get prepared, and live free. Today's article, Adapting to Life Without Running Water, Lessons from Venezuela. Hey, I'm Todd Sepulveda, the editor of PrepperWebsite.com. This podcast is an audible version, with some commentary, of articles that have been posted on Prepper Website, a daily curation of preparedness information. These articles are some of the best of the best that have been recently posted on PrepperWebsite.com. All article links and show information can be found on the PrepperWebsitePodcast.com. Everyone, I want to let you know that this episode is sponsored by my ebook, The Preparedness Community's Guide to a Microbiz and Increasing Your Finances. If you'd like to get some more information on the ebook or the audiobook, click the link in the show notes or come on over to theprepperwebsitepodcast.com. All right, so this article comes to us from. Daisy Luther over at the Organic Prepper and it is written by Jose who has uh, been writing about Venezuela and he's left Venezuela and he's been writing about the challenges of Venezuela he still has a lot of family there and we've read various articles about uh, or from him on the Organic Prepper one of the things that I remember reading was talking about the electrical grid and how a lot of people that worked in the electric company that knew how to run things had already left. I mean, they had a little bit more money, a little bit more means, so they were able to leave when things started going downhill. And so, you know, there's still people there, but uh, they don't know. I mean, th- he said it was a very antiquated system and there's a lot of aspects that people don't know about. Well, that kind of uh, just b- was brought to my memory today as I was on Twitter because I did see a link on Twitter from, uh, I can't remember where it was from, but it was. About blackouts that forced Venezuela to live and work, uh, even perform surgery in the darkness, and so I did find this um, article on Miami Herald, and you know it's one of those things, man. I mean, one of the the pictures there and the stories is of uh, of a couple who has an older son who has uh, who's disabled and he's in a wheelchair, and they're having to keep him cool in uh, their apartment can go up to, you know, can get as hot as 95 degrees. I mean, they're in the tropics, right? So it's going to get hot and without any kind of way to cool it off, you know, he can get rashes and things like that because he's in a wheelchair and he's disabled. And so they're really trying to work with him. So it's a very sad situation over there. Of course, people that are in power and people that have money, you know, they're, they're going to go ahead and survive. All right. That was one of the things that Fernando Aguirre, Furfall um, I've mentioned him before. Yeah, I don't read any of his articles because uh, mostly what he does is YouTube videos. And so, uh, I haven't, he hasn't written an article in a while, at least not that one that I have, uh, that I have seen. And so, uh, that's one reason why I don't share any of his articles or I haven't even asked him, Hey, if it, if it would be okay. Um, but you know, he's talked about that before he talked about, uh, the fact that, People who had money and means were able to get anything that they ever wanted. Even there was one video I remember him uh, posting about that there was a, uh, I guess like an AC truck, a truck that pumped AC and it was in one of the big government officials, you know, areas or whatever where they live and it was pumping ac right into the home you know and so he's like everybody else around this guy was suffering but this guy could pump ac because he was a government official and could you know call these people in for himself and for his family and that just sucks man because the rest of the you know the population is suffering and the the bad problem about whatever is going on here is that people can't fight back the military has all the weapons. The people, even if they wanted, to, I mean, they've they've protested and marched and different things like that. But the military just can shoot at them and, and can you know shoot uh, tear gas and things like that. And the people just they don't have any other means of doing that. So until it gets to the point where the military is not being taken care of, man, I think we're just going to continue to see this over there. And so my heart really goes out to them. And then you know we're talking about the the idea or the uh, the topic of the article is about water. Now, I don't know. I really haven't talked about this and it really didn't sink in. You know, it's one of those things where, where it's, it's so close to me, but because it's not directly affecting me, I'm not really thinking about it. But over in, you know, the Austin area in West Texas, they had extreme rainfall. I mean like extreme, like nobody has ever, has ever seen in a while and it flooded big time. And so, uh, they are under, so Austin, is under like a boil ban. And so a lot of their water and the, the lakes and stuff like that, that, where they draw water from was, uh, you know, other floodwaters got inside of there and, and, and their silt and, and all kinds of junk and debris and stuff. And so they were talking about uh, a boil ban for, at, at, at the beginning, they were talking about for week's but now they're talking about boil ban for days, and so the water treatment plants are spinning up and they are producing water to be able to send out. But at first, it wasn't as much as uh, they needed for the city of Austin, right, and for the surrounding areas. Now I think they've they've really gotten it up into uh, higher production, so the the boil is not going to be as long. But you know that's one of those things that you don't really think about when you think about natural disasters, you think about flooding, and then you think about all that extra stuff on top of it that you, I mean, you're not just even considering that kind of stuff. And so if you were, for instance, in a poop hit the fan situation, and there was big time flooding going on, well, then your water source could possibly be, you know, could possibly get to the point where you couldn't drink it and use it. And that's a, that's a scary thought when you start thinking about that. So let's go ahead and jump into this article so we can listen or at least read what Jose has to say uh, about living without running water in Venezuela. And of course, again, he's tapped into his family over there that's still living in Venezuela. I, I know that he's, he's moved out. The other thing that I want to say before I get started here is uh, I'm going to read it like he has written it because there are some, some uh, you know, I guess the English would be his second language and there's some things that just might not easily translate as well, but I I am going to read it the way it is uh, here in this article. So uh, just FYI on that one. So let's go ahead and get started. Without plenty of water, we can't have a decent life quality. Most of us take for granted, especially city people, that water tap will be there forever. Just turn the handle and you will have as much water as you want. But do you need that much water? Are you really going to need a dishwashing machine all the days of your life? I could afford a lovely, nice and shiny dishwasher back there in the happy days, but being environmentally conscientious and trying to invest the hard-earned money wisely, I decided to buy and install a water tank instead and it was one of the better choices I have made. Oh, and we instate the rule at home that everyone washes his or her dish immediately after eating. No exceptions, unless some guest was present, but this was infrequent. It is much easier to clean fat and rinse fresh residues than to do it the day after. Everyone knows this, and after the habit is prevalent, it is done. Believe me when I tell you that running water you take for granted may not always be there. So one of the issues that impacted most deeply in our daily lives, as much as the power grid failures, was the lack of water. With temperatures the entire year over 30 degrees or 86 degrees Fahrenheit, you see what I mean. The only way to bear the heat is showering often. I can withstand a lot of heat, having been born and bred down here, but sometimes it was just too much, and I would go to soak myself with the hose, shorts and t shirt included, in my backyard while working in my SUV, bike, front garden, or some other project. The heat and lack of water make for a deadly combination. I remember reading news about a teenager dying of dehydration in an enormous traffic congestion some years ago, one of those hurricane alerts that made everyone evacuate the entire area. And that was painful. It was something she could have survived. After that, I would not leave home on a long road trip without one or two gallons of drinkable water and an ice chest. Heat and not drinking enough water can easily mess you up if you are not careful. This said, and having a small kid at home, our priority was to make sure we would have some way to cook, induction kitchen and a dual fuel camping stove, additionally to the propane kitchen. Propane these days is almost impossible to find without having the connections and cash in hand. The mafia has seized whatever basic need of the people has been possible to charge incredible amounts of money. In an oil producing country, where thousands of millions of cubic feet of all kinds of combustible gas is burned in the production facilities. This is highly indignant. But let's keep elaborating about the water topic. All right, so I just want to point that out there that even in this economic collapse that Venezuela is is having, that you have the mob, you have mobsters moving in, gang, gangs moving in, and they've taken control of things that they can't control. And, you know, and they probably do have weapons that they can fight against the military. So the military is going to leave them alone because they're not going to want to go up against them. They probably have better weapons than the military do, but they're able to control, you know, different things like the propane, uh, you know, like propane that you can fill up to cook with and things like that. I mean, can you imagine that, right? Being in this situation where it is just, it's terrible for you and your family. You're worrying about where the next meal is going to come, where water is going to come, you know, all that kind of stuff. And then you have to deal with, you know, gangsters and stuff like that. I mean, that would truly suck. I mean, some of these, some of these things that we read about and we listen to, you know, it should really make us grateful to live in the country that we live in, where there's so, so much and there's, there's plenty. Now, of course, I mean, we prepare for a day where there's not, but, you know, while we have it, we should definitely be grateful and be able to reflect on that. All right, so let me go ahead and continue on. Traditionally in Venezuela and other tropical countries, the water filtering was with a stone device called a tenahero, A large furniture like a strong support made of wood where a glass vessel on the floor between the legs of the thing would receive the water filtered from a stone recipient on top of the furniture, drop by drop. Usually, the stone pot would have a fern on it with the roots in the water. All right, so let me uh, let me just talk a little bit about this because I was curious about what this would be, and I started looking it up, and uh, I didn't find a lot of information. But it looks like when he's talking about a furniture thing, it it is it looks like it's a it is a piece of furniture, like it is a uh, it's a it's a stand where there is some kind of a stone receptacle on top. And so if you think like a kind of a oval, I don't even know how to how to explain this uh, correctly, but it is a stone, I guess, vase, possibly uh, a stone oval shaped. Uh, receptacle on top that you pour into. And so the bottom, if you can imagine the bottom would be like more of a cone shape, right? So it would form, I guess it would, it's porous enough to where the water would eventually start dripping through and it would drip into like a ceramic, pot or something like that on the bottom of it. And so the ceramic pots, when you think about like a zear pot, if you've ever seen one of those, it's those uh, clay pots or whatever. So it's a clay pot, not a ceramic, like a clay pot. And so usually with those, um, although this is a humid environment, so I don't know how cool it would keep it, but with just evaporation, the water in there might be a little bit cooler than at room temperature. So it would be cooler to be able to drink. So if you if you're interested in this, you want to go to the article and then maybe search on it. And I think that might be I don't know maybe something somebody ought to look into this because when I when I clicked on it and I went to Google and did a Google search on it, it was taking me to places that uh, it looked like it was like an eBay, like a Spanish version of eBay or whatever that you could buy these things. And of course you have pictures like Craigslist or whatever or eBay and and they're showing them to you. But anyway, I thought this was pretty interesting. So I guess the water is e- eventually going through. So this stone receptacle, whatever it is on the top, is enough to, it's porous enough to cause it to be able to drip every so often. And so uh, this, this would allow you to have water and allow you to water, to, to filter your water. So uh, he talks a little bit about the fern here. He says, please don't ask me why the fern. I have always wondered this myself, LOL. I heard that this would get the water much colder but this has no scientific basis to me and I would not bet money on that. Perhaps someone put the fern there because of lack of a clay pot and the result was that it looked nice enough and it became sort of a custom. I am sure that one day one of those millennials will re-engineer the entire apparatus and will try to sell it as the last invention with a fancy name like the fern filter or something similar. So if you, if you think about the filters like a Berkey or any of those kinds of filters where you have the water, you put the water on the top receptacle and then it, it just begins to drip and filter down to the bottom. It's the same premise here, but it's not attached. And so if, if you ever, I mean, it's very interesting to, to think about this. And uh, I really wish that there was, I, I might have to look up the uh, this actual, uh, Teher- Teherino and, and see if I can find some more information on it. Um, it, it might not be that difficult to make. I don't know. And so, uh, it, it's a very primitive type of water filter. So anyway, let's go ahead and continue on. I have news for those hipsters trying to make money with this. It was already invented a couple of centuries ago. I should design one of these things myself indeed. So there you go. Somebody can design it and start selling it and make a lot of money. Uh, This was used in other countries like Colombia, and it was a regular means of filtering water for decades, if not centuries. One of the inconveniences was that mosquito larvae and other undesirable parasites or bacteria could start to grow in the water. Therefore, further boiling was needed. With modern techniques, though, like a UV purifier into the filtered water pot, it would be a very low-tech and cheap way to filter drinking water. The filtering was very high quality indeed and the stone would provide some minerals too making the water taste good despite being boiled. In some colonial style houses these Tejanorinos can be found but of course their purpose is no longer functional but decorative. However when your fancy filter purifier nickel plated activated coal powered is is fed by grid water perhaps some poor people around there have one of these things in their living room unused and without understanding exactly how they work meanwhile they're looking for a way to buy bottled water because they do not know how to use it it is not exactly rocket science and if you're in desperate need of filtered drinking water this is better than no filter at all a small drop of chlorine or bleach without scent or a water purifier pill will take care of all the harmful bacteria and that's it but as these are no longer available boiling is the only option Of course, you have to be aware that after all the water has been filtered, the precious water on the lower clay pot has to be poured into a clean container for later consumption. Otherwise, nasty bugs would grow in the water. Diseases generated by drinking contaminated water was very common in the times where these things were used, but it was mostly because of the lack of boiling. The filtering process was not fast. Water had to go through several centimeters of stone but that was not bad at all as the water resulting was pretty, pretty clean of particles and with some beneficial minerals dissolved. You don't need a nice shiny online bluetooth capable ridiculously expensive filter. I am staying away from electrical devices for most of our needs. Just install a large tank as large as you can afford it. Pre-treat the water in it and find some means to filter by gravity with stone filters you will have to do your own research depending on your, on your particular needs that could be very different from what we have in the tropics. Winters here won't freeze my tanks, but rainwater could leak inside and contaminate it. So I had to improvise with the sealant lid in my elevated tank. Mold was growing in the inner of the cap because of the sun being so strong that it would be enough light. That is why many of them are blue to absorb as much light as possible. We painted ours with a black UV resistant paint and now it is much warmer. Great for a good relaxing shower. So that's very interesting. A lot of the times when you see the big 250 gallon uh, containers that you can that you can find and you can buy and you see people um, using those for like rain catchment and, and things like that, a lot of the times they will spray paint the the clear plastic black or they'll put some kind of uh, plastic wrap around it a black plastic wrap around it because having a lighter color having that you know plastic will be able to well mold will grow a lot easier on that and so that's something to uh, consider if you ever do that all right so however i can tell you this with all responsibility no grid power means no water for most of us and there are some areas that under this collapse don't have grid power for days in a row that leaves us without water and power for a couple of days, maybe more. One day with power and two or even three days without. And when there is a collapse of the system, this means that it will be the norm instead of the exception. Resizing the lifestyle and going back to the country to produce food seems to be now a much attractive idea in Venezuela. However, predator class won't allow this hungry people will band together and loot, steal and destroy whatever cannot be taken or eaten. The size of the herds that once were close to the level of Argentina or Brazil in quality are decimated nowadays. So that's a little information there as far as living out in the country goes because he was mentioning, you know, people are would rather go out to the country, maybe it might be a little easier to live, but at the same time People are, are you know are heading out that way and if you have crops and stuff like that they're going to be taking those i mean you can't you can't guard them 24 7 unless you have some kind of big compound and you have a bunch of people that are are helping you defend it but you know that's one of those things that that happens if you are close enough for the to the city for people to to leave the city and get to your homestead or your farm or your ranch or wherever you are in the country quote unquote country here um that's that might not be far enough you know and that's that's something to to consider that's something that always comes up that people will talk about you know that uh, you need to be far enough out there where people can't easily get to you now that's that's you know, has its pros and cons because while everything is great, that means that it's further for you to go to the store. It's further for you to come into town or for for you to see family and, and go to the doctor and different things like that. But there are gives and takes, you know for all of this kind of stuff. But it's I thought it was pretty interesting that he's saying that people are starting to, possibly people in the city are starting to to think about, hey, it might be better living to go out to the country. So I don't know, maybe it is better out in the country, but you again need to be far away or you have to have enough people to defend, you know, your, your homestead and what you have. Definitely you don't want to be out there on your own or just you and your family. Let me continue on. And this is one of those things again, why I was remembering about Austin or why it all kind of came into uh, to focus for me, right? All of these things here. Um, There's been huge floods these last few weeks. The water excess is bad as the drought and we as preppers must be pretty aware of this. The floods contaminate the drinkable sources with all kinds of nasty waste. For those who can afford it, it is not that expensive neither. Living in places where floods are likely to be a threat, I would suggest fill in with treated water four or five one gallon jugs, close them tight, get them inside a 200 liter barrel, the cheapo kind, and seal the lid with PVC sealant or some other product. Then secure it with a rope. If it is in a place where flooding can reach it, this way the barrel will float, but the drinkable water will be safe. Trust me, people will need potable water after a flood. All right, so that was his little, um, I guess his little hack, right? To be able to have uh, potable water when uh, you're in a a flood-prone area is to put some clean water in a big barrel and then somehow secure it to something so if the flood waters come it doesn't wash it away but then when the flood waters recede a little bit you have potable water that you can drink all right so those modern high-tech camping filters that extract mud debris trapping bacteria and such and a portable stove are more valuable than gold or platinum bars in those times People in the a pure a Bolivar, or Amazon states of, of the south of Venezuela, where, where the Orinoco River reached historical maximum flood levels, should know about this. So that's very interesting there, you know, having those water filters like a, a Sawyer Mini, or having a, a Life Straw, or even something that can do more, you know, more, filter more water for you, um, how, how valuable would that be in having uh, you know a stove to be able to cook some food on? Uh, how valuable? You're saying is more valuable than gold and platinum bars. Wow. So, uh, you know, if you don't have some water filters, you should invest in some, definitely. All right. So the ideal water setup. My ideal setup is a moderate size, well-located cement facility. Plain gray with a tall fence and far from the predator's eyes an angled roofing with a channel running into a large rainwater reservoir. I like those that are just a hole in the ground covered with some layers of that special fabric and a little research will allow you to use that product I mentioned in some of my other articles that avoid excess evaporation and forms a mono layer in the water surface. I am no expert on this but have some chemistry knowledge enough to suggest that The outtake piping should be in the bottom to avoid sucking in the product that is engineered to remain in the surface of the water. Think of it like a sunscreen, a very thin layer, but it is enough to avoid the harmful radiations from getting to the skin. A good idea is to retrofit a pump to an old bicycle so you can pedal for a while and get some water out of the reservoir to your settling tank. Chances are that there will be some sediments and these should be removed of course. This settling tank should have a valve as close to the bottom as possible directly to your garden or orchard irrigation feeding system as the sediment can be useful. No matter your age pedaling will multiply your force by using stronger muscles instead of a regular well pump that needs to use the arm strength. Most of the not so young people can pedal and it is a great exercise even for the few minutes needed to fill a tank and it is more fun too. So what are your water management solutions? I hope you have now some additional tools and ideas for your personal needs on water management based on our personal experience. All right. So going back to that Teherino, that water filter that he talked about, you know, there are ceramic water filters that you can purchase and you can just use a five gallon uh, bucket from Lowe's, a couple of five gallon buckets and forget it. You're good to go there, man. So, you know, that's one of those things. There's, there's companies that will sell Um, all the things that you need, except for the bucket. So you just go to Lowe's or you just go to, you know, Home Depot and buy a couple of buckets. And then you're able to use all the rest of, uh, you know, all the rest of the things that they sell to be able to have a water filter. And so it's very, you know, very easily, uh, you can have all these supplies in hand if you ever needed it and be ready to go and, uh, you know, put it in a closet or whatever and keep it safe. If you ever needed something like that. Okay. So, uh, enough about that. Um, I was reminded when he was talking about his system here, um, I have family in Monterey, Mexico In Mexico. I mean, I haven't been in years. Um, I was like a teenager. And of course, one of the reasons I went was because my, uh, older cousin had a lot of friends and they were all older and I loved hanging around with them. Right. So, uh, but I would go. And one of the, the craziest things is, Water was always, you know, in, in short supply. So the government would start to, around four o'clock in the afternoon, would start to uh, tamp, tamper down the water pressure all over the city. And so, if you didn't have, uh, for whatever reason, you didn't have a storage, a water tank, or whatever, you were kind of stuck. And sometimes, if you know, you needed to take a shower at night or whatever, you're talking about a little drip. And it was just such a, a pain so my uh my family was uh you know a little bit better uh, a little bit uh, more well off and so they had a country club uh, uh membership so if they needed to take a shower in the evening times they would go to the country club which wasn't too far away and they take a shower there because they had you know the tanks and stuff like that so they can easily fill up but my cousins are engineers so uh, eventually they broke up you know they, they didn't have a lot of property their house wasn't humongous but they broke up some of the backyard to be able to put a big like cistern in a big tank and so what what happened was during the day when the water was flowing uh you know freely and was you know didn't have uh any any issues there then that tank would fill up you know and it took a couple of days for that to finally fill up as you know all the way because it was a big tank but it was like in the ground. And so it was kind of kept cool and all that kind of stuff. And it had a pump that would pump it out. But then after they installed that, they never had any water issues whatsoever. And, uh, you know, that was that was one of the great things that, you know, is like, hey, I'm going to invest in this thing because water is such an important thing. So if water was ever there, ever had a, a water issue, then they would have tons of water underneath. I mean, there was just a, it was just one of these big system, uh, one of these big tanks that they would use. You know that was under the ground. And definitely that was, you know, th- that was really smart. That was really smart to do that. Now they were doing it so that they could have water, but in an emergency situation, they would still have, you know, water that they, they could draw from. I just don't know if it was, if they had a means to take it out without having electricity or stuff, stuff like that. But you know, my, my cousins are pretty smart, so I'm sure they had a, a way that they could have done it if they needed to. And so we should be thinking about the things like that, too. If you have the ability to have a a, a tank in your backyard, you know, that's just it's not going to look ugly. And maybe you're you know, you're the HOA is not going to complain about it or whatever. If there's a way that you can do it then that might be something that you would want to do. And you could run water through that and use it to garden, you know, and, and, and things like that. Or you can just have it to store water. I mean, maybe you you have a room that's empty in your house and you're able to bring in a couple of 55-gallon drums in there and you feel a little bit more comfortable keeping, in, keeping them inside where it would be nice and cool and the sun can't get, you know, direct sun can't get to them. Um, you just need to you know, put them in a place where they're not going to be, draw, draw attention, I guess, is, is what I'm trying to say. But a lot to think about and water is so important. I hope that you have some solutions for you and your family. Well, everyone, that is it for this article. Again, that's over at theorganicprepper.com. Like always, I'm going to link to it in the show notes and you can go check it out. And uh, I would suggest looking at this Tejarino, I don't know if I'm saying it right. Um, that might be something that uh, it's very, very primitive. I don't know if it would be easy to make. I mean, maybe somebody could make them and, and uh, sell them uh, as a, a primitive way of of filtering water. I don't know. Uh, I'll just leave it at that. And that is it for episode 432. Hey, thanks so much for listening. Don't forget, if you are not subscribed to the podcast, you can go on over to theprepperwebsitepodcast.com. And we make it very easy for you there. We have all the links to all the big podcast networks. And so your favorite network into your podcast catcher will get us into your podcast catcher every single day, uh, five days a week. So don't forget to do that. Don't forget to subscribe. And that way you never miss another episode of Sweet Pepper Goodness. And take a moment to connect with me. I have a ton of ways to connect in the show notes. And with that, choose to live a more self-reliant life choose not to be so dependent on the government grid or the grind until tomorrow stay prepped and aware. Peace.